0: Hey, SalesLift Nation, it's your host, Tyler Lindley. Today I have Dylan Wycliffe on the podcast. Hey Dylan, how you doing today? Hey man, good, how are you? Great, doing well. So Dylan is the Director of Sales at Media Junction, which is an elite HubSpot Solutions partner. Dylan's based in Nashville, but the company's based all over. Today, Dylan and I were just chatting about his fairly new role there at Media Junction and some of the experience he had. Dylan, tell us a little bit more about that story of how you got on at at Media Junction and what are some of those lessons you learned coming on as the Director of Sales there?
1: Yeah, so I was at HubSpot right around two years. That's where I met you, of course. It was around q 4 of 2020 in the heat of the COVID pandemic that I was transitioning away from HubSpot, trying to find out what was next. And frankly, like my network really stepped in, and it was awesome. There was all kinds of opportunities put before me on on what this next season would look like. Half a dozen probably HubSpot agencies, but then all kinds of other sales and even some other non-sales positions that kind of landed in my lap for me to pick from. Right. So free agency was very good to me, if you will. (laughs) I was actually in the midst of signing onto uh, one of our Canadian HubSpot agencies right before Jilly Frat from HubSpot said, Hey, I work with an agency called Media Junction. You don't have to commit to anything, but I just want you to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, just because you're Jilly Frat, I will. (laughs) Talk to them right away. One conversation, I was just like, send me an offer letter. We'll figure out what it looks like later. I'll sign it right now. Uh, It was just such a good fit. There was just something special about the company the way they did business, uh, the reputation they had in the industry. And I knew Trish Lessard. I knew her name just in the HubSpot ecosystem. She's a superhero out there. <laughs> it was, I just put two and two together. I was like, wow, like, I know these people. I know they're great. I know they do great work. And frankly, I know HubSpot pretty well at this point. So I wouldn't have to go in with a, a bunch of new things to learn. Mm-hmm. So I just dove in. Uh, seven days later, between HubSpot and my next venture, I was signed on starting at Media Junction. And going through story brand training, and the very next week was inbound, virtual inbound. Yeah, but man, it gets even crazier. I actually negotiated my title from business development representative to director of sales. Oh. As a flex, I'll be honest, there was no reason to call me that, but I just uh, <laughs> Media Junction did, didn't know. Going in from a cam at HubSpot, you earn more credibility in the sales world. I feel like, and then for me going down as a BDR, they don't know this, but like he felt like a demotion almost. So. I was like, hey, just for the sake of my vanity, what do y'all think about this? And they were like, oh, totally cool. Now I realize how agile and fluid agencies are. It didn't mean anything. It ended up meaning a lot. And it actually turned out to be like foreshadowing of the very new season to come. When I joined as director of sales, there was me and there were two VPs above me. There was a VP of sales and there was a VP of maybe like client services, I think, who also played a pretty big role in sales. That VP of client services within two weeks of me joining left to join the drift team. So he went to go like to the big business again, right. former HubSpotter as well. Okay. I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll just learn from this VP of sales here. I'll learn the agency way of doing things and we'll crush it. And 30 days later, he left to join a more like technical role at a different agency doing more like technical stuff. Oh, wow. And I was just, all of a sudden I'm in this position where it's, I'm by myself. I'm the sales team with a a sales coordinator, Ellie. Great. Shout out, Ellie. You're amazing. (laughs) But I called her and I was just like, yo, it's just you and me now. Let's figure this out. Crazy. So within 45 days of me joining this agency, I was in this position to just lead a sales team, Mm -hmm. which I I wasn't initially hired to do. So I talked to our CEO, Trish, and I just said, Trish, obviously we're in some tense times here. We're a new team. All of a sudden, I feel really good that I can do this for you. I feel like I've got what I need to take you where you're trying to go. And I'll talk about how we did it, but we ended Q4 with the best sales numbers we've ever hit in any quarter, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a new team, Mm -hmm. where it was just me and one other person. 2020 was the best sales year of all time. December of 2020 was the best single month of all time. It was crazy. like All these things that just fell into place. And we had a lot of records broken in this period of time where I'm in a position that I maybe wasn't expected to be in at that time too. Mm -hmm. So...
0: What what was that like though for you, Dylan? To be thrust into that a situation where you thought you were joining a, a larger team, you know, going to be able to learn from these folks who've been here for a while, and now it's everybody's gone. You're we're looking at you. What was that like for you? Was that were you scared? Were you excited? Were you nervous? I mean, there had to be a lot of emotions going on.
1: <laughs> Man, I I think about this all the time because at the time I probably felt fear or nervousness, or I think I doubted myself a lot thinking like there was a reason I was never a manager before. There was a reason <laughs> no one ever promoted me to management. And I'm like, but what I really felt like, and I'm like a big football nerd, mm-hmm. but when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady stepped in, Tom Brady said, I'm never given this starting position back. <laughs> and that, that's really how I felt. I was like, yeah, there's a sense of nerves and there's a sense I may let people down or maybe I'm lying to myself that I have all these skills that I don't actually have. But man, by the time I'm under center, I'm like, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go as hard as I can. I have every bit of the sales skills I need to do this role. Mm -hmm. I just need to learn more like business administration and, and formal leadership. And I know HubSpot already, so that's a technical curve I don't have to get through. So. I just told Trish, I said, let me hold this until I give you any reason to not let me. Mm-hmm. And man, we've just been killing it. It's been amazing.
0: We talked about how y'all went back to basics somewhat and started just like building a foundation to build up. Obviously, there was probably some foundation already there, but it sounds like you worked a little bit on that foundation, making sure things were buttoned up. Tell us a little bit about, and you know, when you've got a sales organization like that, that's very busy, but you want to build that foundation for it to scale even further. What did that look like for you? What were some of those foundational steps?
1: Yeah, that's an awesome question. I remember my first, so that was like November or late October, 2020, I was working like 10 to 12 hour days and it didn't feel like it at all. It was flying by, Mm -hmm. but there was just so much to do. Um, and I told my wife, I was like, I swear, this is not my new normal. I can't explain to you everything that just happened. Like I'll be home. I promise I'm just trying to work on a lot of things right now. Yeah. Like these two guys that left, they're very knowledgeable. They're very good at what they did. Mm -hmm. There's a reason they're, they're often really great things right now, but Mm -hmm. I just had to look at what we were doing. I looked at our proposals. I looked at the language we were using. I looked at our CRM and how we were and we're not implementing the tools at our fingertips. Some of the things that I learned about that when I was digging into it was, one, our proposals are really complex and deep and specific. So I wanted to tighten that down. I wanted to make that a little little bit more high level. So like the way I do proposals now, it's not super granular. I don't bullet point every single item, every single page, like... Mm-hmm. I'm gonna highlight the the key deliverables. And once we have enough conversations, like you're gonna trust that my team knows what we're doing. We have this reputation. We just launched Dharmesh's website. If you don't know that, like there's a lot of people in this space that trust us to do work for them. And I'm not a developer. There's only so far I can go in the proposal process with you. So we shorten our proposals pretty dramatically and people are responding really well to it. It's, you're a great team. We've had all the conversations. This covers the bullet points. Let's sign and get started. So I shortened the proposals really well and I shortened the sales cycle from probably close to 60 days to I think 25 to 35 days is pretty normal now because I just ironed out our process. It was, there's steps along the way.
0: What did that look like to shorten the sales cycle? That sounds like a pretty dramatic shift, maybe cut it in half almost. How did you tangibly go about shortening that much? Like
1: I think agencies, as you're working with partners, like they don't really operate on a monthly cadence like a cam does, but like that's all I've ever known is a monthly quota. (laughs) yeah, so like I start holding myself to a monthly quota now, and we've had all the conversations. I know what you need. you know that I can do it. We've already got the solution in your budget. Why haven't you signed yet? now, some in some cases with these big companies, there's a lot of red tape and stuff, but we're always just advancing to that next step. And the sales cycle is very simple. There's an initial call where you're qualifying, can I solve your problems? Then from there, I'm sending a quote, whether it's, just an email, whether it's what we call a pre-proposal or whether it's a formal proposal or quote. Mm-hmm. From there, they review, we revise, we have follow-up conversations. If we need to get a little technical, we'll bring a developer in and have more conversations. But really, it shouldn't take more than four or five calls at the most to, to get a deal closed in this industry because we work in the B2B space so often, we solve all the same problems pretty routinely. Mm-hmm. Something that's really big and complex to a, a prospect of mine is not really big and complex to us. Just like for them and their clients, it's like, We come here to solve your problems just like your prospects come to you to solve yours make it simple so i think i just simplified everything and just really clear next steps always like i don't leave a phone call without the next step being set in stone so we're not just hovering in this limbo of we've had some conversations like basically if you can't tell me where a deal is you don't have any control over that deal Mm -hmm. so like i just never relinquish control of a single deal
0: Let's talk a little bit about that concept of clear next steps, because I think that's a good point. And one that I think a lot of people aspire to do is have clear next steps. And then maybe in practice, it doesn't end up, you know, working out to be fluid or that formal or that clear, I guess, if you will. So how do you ensure, what do you do on a call, I guess, at the beginning and at the end of a call to make sure that those clear next steps are going to happen and you're holding yourself and that other prospect accountable to those next steps?
1: So you have to know your process from very first phone call all the way to completion of the engagement. You have to know the whole process. So I got with our team and I walked through what our engagements look like. So I just learned when someone signs with me, how do I hand them off to you? How do I do that really well so that I can explain that process to a prospect? So for me, I just had to first, let me line out the sales process. Here are the types of phone calls that we go from start to finish. And then at what point do they sign? Okay. Now that they've signed, what's the process from there? I have to countersign, I have to create a Slack channel, I have to tell the team, here's a new client that we have, let's schedule the kickoff. And then from kickoff, we have a stakeholder call, which is the big deep dive kickoff, basically. And then from there, we get to work, we start working in base camp and are all the different people that come into your project. So for me, like I just tell people very quickly that here's the process. Today's call is me trying to figure out if I can solve your problems, if I can do what you're hoping that I can do. And can I do that within your budget, within your timeline, GPCT, all that? Yep. So can I do those things? If the answer is yes, let's get started. I'm gonna send you a quote, I'm gonna send you a proposal. I'm gonna email you some pricing, whatever the next step may be. From there, if if I haven't sent you a formal proposal here, I've sent you this, this pre-proposal with pricing. Next steps from here is if you're ready to move forward, I'm gonna draft a full proposal for you. I can do that within two business days. From there, next steps will be to sign. Let's kick off and get started. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm constantly just like over communicating the process so that everyone knows like where they are on the journey too. Cause we talk about the buyer's journey all the time and no one is like consciously aware that I'm in the consideration stage of the buyer's <laughs> journey right now, looking at all the different <laughs> options that I have for, for solving my problems. Right. I'm just over communicating both to my team and my prospects, what to expect from this call and the next call.
0: Do you think it's important, like, have you found in your time there at Media Junction, is it important to educate the buyer on where they are in the buyer's journey, like to keep them in the loop? Do you think it's important that they know, that they're aware that they're going through a process that is systematized and process driven and very organized? Like, I take a lot of people through this process. Here's the next steps. Do you update them on where they are or do you feel like that just comes naturally?
1: I think I am doing some of that, maybe not extremely consciously, but so I'm not totally telling somebody that you're in the third deal stage in my pipeline right now, (laughs) but I'm telling people like, Hey, I I work with companies like this all the time. So like I'm earning credibility in that conversation. I do this all day, every day. Mm -hmm. What is really complex and mysterious to you is where I live nine to five, every single Monday through Friday, Mm -hmm. I work with companies like this all the time. Typically companies like this that have what you're going through by about seven to 10 days from now, you and I are going to start working on this project together. So I start having those kinds of conversations early, but I do use some of the buyer's journey language because I'm trying to to get some of that into their company's DNA as well. Like what I'm doing for you right now is I'm leading you through these different phases of, of trying to solve your problems. I'm trying to get your company to a point where you can do that for your clients as well. So I'm both like working my sales cycle while priming them for this new shift in their way of thinking when it comes to marketing as well. Um, So they're, so they're teed off for my strategists when they are leading the way with some of those conversations that yeah, Dylan and I started planting these seeds already.
0: Yeah. That's such a good point of planting those seeds in the sales process, because if they buy, they're going to get handed off to someone else on the strategy or implementation team. And you want to make sure that trans, I think if the sales rep driving sales can have those conversations and set that person up for success throughout that process versus this really messy handoff of, well, hey, and here's this person who's going to go figure everything out for you. That's where it can break down and then there can be, you know, yeah. some misaligned expectations come kickoff time. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. We talked about that at our, our annual company meeting this year. State of the Junction is what we call it. It's kind of like inbound for our agency, mm-hmm. but way small. But we talked to our team today and I, I just said, we were celebrating our, our huge numbers and just how excited we were. And I said, the way that we're going to keep doing this is for every marketer on our team to be a salesperson. Mm -hmm. We should always be looking for opportunities to continue helping our clients more and more. Um, And that's not me asking our team to upsell without earning commission. That's me saying, just like we expect this from you services team, you should expect us to have a layer of marketing in our our aspect as well. So like I'm as much a marketer as Benji, one of our strategists is a sales guy. Mm -hmm. I expect him to plant seeds about future projects and retainer renewals just like he expects me to be able to be foundational in terms of the buyer's journey and marketing strategy, and web design, and things like that. So yep. we're all, all one team being setting each other up for success.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's such a good point of you've got to have that conversation internally first. You've got to have those discussions to know that like you're a little bit of a marketer, aka okay, you're enough about the services to where you can have that conversation. And on the flip side, they know enough about sales where they can have those same kind of conversations. And then you can pull each other in where you need help. I think if companies just did a better job of having those conversations, the relationships and those handoffs and all and making sure upsells and those kind of things would happen a lot more seamless and it would yeah, be a lot exactly. more fruitful too. So,
1: Yeah, and we talked about this before we started recording, but it's all about having the entrepreneurial spirit. So Media Junction is a 22-year-old company. I didn't join some new startup, but I came in like I was in the garage where Jeff Bezos was building Amazon. Like I had to have that mentality that, I'm here in the pioneering stage. So I have to know a little bit of everything. And I think that helps when our whole team can have that same mindset.
0: Yeah, exactly. One thing we also discussed was this, you have a human-centric approach to sales. What does that mean to have a human-centric approach when you're selling? What does that look like for you, Dylan?
1: Yeah, so I do want to go on the record saying that Media Junction was doing the the human thing before it was very cool. So like where <laughs> the human hipsters, if you will. Before everyone started saying, just be normal, don't be robotic, like Media Junction was living that out. And I noticed that years ago before I was even at Media Junction. Like, man, I just, you have to be such a normal person on these calls for me. Yeah, I'm working with some giant companies and I'm working with CEOs and and tech entrepreneurs, like some really sharp people who know their stuff. And like, there's no way I can just fake my way through it either. I might take the human thing a little too far sometimes. (laughs) I, I think a lot of times people want, like a really sharp polished salesperson in this process but i just i won't bend like i won't become that person because like sometimes i've messy hair sometimes i wear a hat i got holes in my ears i grow my facial hair out but i'll take it a step further where someone's like why should we pick you as an agency Mm -hmm. and i'll start naming off my competitors i'm like yeah you can talk to this agency you can talk to that agency and frankly like we're all gonna do a great job Mm -hmm. every single one of us are gonna do this project really well we're all elite hubspot partners my gosh like the first one that tells you they do a better job than the other is lying to your face. Where I think you're going to really appreciate working on Media Junction is, while this agency is going to do great work, this agency is going to do amazing work, we're going to do amazing work. I think you're going to enjoy your time with us better. Because mm. this is, has to be more than a transaction. This has to be more than money. Yeah, we all want to scale. And trust me, if I wasn't scaling this company, I wouldn't be here. And if we weren't all trying to make great money, like we'd all have to pivot and make new decisions and new strategies. But man, like if you're a top 10 HubSpot partner, you can't lose. You throw a dart and pick a HubSpot partner, you're probably going to win. So let's start identifying culture fit. What do you, how do you like to work with an agency? What do you hope that we can do? You've already noticed in the sales process that I can flip a switch. I can become a very sharp marketer or we can talk about football and having kids. Like Mm -hmm. we can be very human about that. So like I take it a step further. I'll never bash an opponent or a, a competitor. I don't, I never have a bad thing to say about any of them because they're great. Yeah. But man, I think we're better people. I I really do. And I think I joined a great team of awesome humans. And man, sometimes I wear sweatpants. Sometimes I'm at home with my fish tank in the back and I'll spend (laughs) five minutes of my sales calls talking about the types of fish I have because people care. Like my son (laughs) walks in the room. I never apologize. Like, Oh, sorry. My son's home. People know you're working from home and my son's two years old. Like people hear that stuff. And instead of trying to get embarrassed that my dogs are barking or my son's in the room, like, I introduce them. I right. think, Here's my son. I'll, I'll let him come on camera and talk to people. And that is the number one thing about my success in sales, I think, is I don't have to play a part. Right? Yeah. A lot of times in my previous sales roles, man, yeah, I'll even take this a step further. Even a HubSpot, even at times, I had to pretend to be someone I wasn't. Hmm. you know, HubSpotters they have all the same aura.
0: Right. Know? Was that hard for you to play that part, Dylan? Was that tough?
1: Uh, cause all the successful reps share a lot of the same qualities over there. Or not all of them, but some of them. And every time I try to be Barrett King, it doesn't work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but man, it works for Barrett. Uh, and every time I try to replicate kiss Chris Moore, like it didn't work. Every time I try to be Jilly frat, it doesn't work. There's all these amazing people who have their voice and their personality. And for me, the over the top superhuman approach just just works. Yep. And it works for our team. I think our team is refreshed. We're not going about this with some really polished sales strategy that wears suits and stuff. Sometimes I'll dress up for the right prospect, but I really I really don't.
0: Well it sounds it sounds like you're talking about this idea of authenticity too. It's I mean, you're being authentically yourself, like this human-centered approach. It's authentic, but it's also being honest. It's being upfront about who you are and, hey, we've got competitors and, hey, there's a lot of great options out there, but you're probably going to enjoy our team better because that's why I work here is because I really enjoy this team of people. At the end of the day, this yeah. is a services-based business where you're going to be working with people hand-to-hand. Like You're going to be on these calls weekly with all these folks. So. You're going to want to like these people. You're interviewing yeah, exactly. the people just as much as you are the deliverables. Yeah,
1: and I'm going to send an invoice. I'm going to hit my margins like I've got to do everything right still, just like you have to. You have to hit your metrics that you're measured on as well. But man, if we partner together, you, you do better work for your friends and family than you do for a stranger. Mm-hmm. So think if you were detailing a car, if it was yours or your sister's or your friend's, like, <laughs> you're going to do a great job. right? Uh, but if, if it's just another random person, so you're going to do the bare minimum you can get away with. I know that if, if I can build a real relationship and create genuine connections on this journey that everybody's on, nobody will lose.
0: Yeah. And in sticking with this theme of kind of honesty and authenticity, another key part of the sales process that we're going to touch on is just having the ability to talk about money. Obviously, we know in sales, like having the money conversation can be very difficult, but it sounds like it's something that you've been working on. And what are you seeing working for you in your sales process when you're talking about money with your prospects and your clients?
1: Some of my team members make fun of me for the money conversation, actually, because this is one of those moments where I go, It's just hard left. Like I go the opposite of make it weird. Like I go very human in this process. So you know that when you're qualifying a prospect, you got to get their budget. If you don't get a budget on a connect call, you're not doing, you're not doing your job. Right. The way that I do that is I've learned kind of atypical, but I'll say just like this. All right, Tyler. So this is like the most salesy part of the conversation. I don't want to make this weird, but I got to know what we're working with here. Like what kind of budget have you guys set aside for this? A lot of times they'll laugh. The the fact that I'm trying to not be salesy and I'll just say that I think hits people really well. And then half the time, oh, I don't know, man. I just see a proposal or right. I don't know what, what my budget is. <laughs> I'm like, come on, dude. Like, We're going to do that still. So I was like, all right, cool. I, I get it. Like, You can't tell the sales guy your budget. Here's what I'm looking at. Uh, based off the notes I've just taken this half hour we've just spoken here. Again, still going blindfolded. I haven't called your site. haven't talked to my developers, but we're looking at 50 grand here. Does that freak you out? Is that what you expected? Yeah. Is that what you had to set aside? And if I scope really well, if I listen really well, I'll never underpress myself. Mm-hmm. But I have to find a way to budget qualify them because if I do without talking to them, write a for fifty thousand dollar proposal for a small website, like they're gonna they're gonna freak out. Like, what the heck? This is nowhere. I was looking for a 10K website. <laughs> My dude like, you, you didn't tell me that, right? So right. Like, I'm just trying to avoid all that because I don't want to put anyone in a position to get sticker shot, but I don't want to put myself in a position to not be set up for success or spend a lot of time building a proposal that isn't going to land in the right hands anyway. So like my goal was to write out a proposal that you can sign. And I can't do that with all the information. So if if your budget is 10K, I got to cut some corners and I got to take development out of it. I got to use a theme. There's a lot of ways that I can get to your budget, but I can't solve that part of your problem if we don't have that part of the conversation. So like my one tip to anyone who listens to this is like, no one is calling your business to ask for what you do for free. Mm -hmm. No one calls your company saying, hey, do you by chance offer all your services for free? Like no one's expecting this. Like the mindset, it just has to be, don't Mm -hmm. make the money conversation weird. Yeah. It just, it it doesn't have
0: to be weird. Love that. I love anchoring the price. You talk about using a price anchor. They give you an, I don't know, just throwing a number out there, using that as an anchor to figure out, like, are we close? Are we not? Are we above, below? Because you've got to get something. you got to have that, whether it's a range or something, you've got to have some idea of what's going on.
1: Yeah. But that number can't be random either. Cause like you can really find yourself in a hole where you like underprice yourself really awkwardly. So like you have to listen really well to the problems you're trying to solve. You have to have the solution on a cuff. And you have to be able to throw that number out with pretty good idea of a scope in mind. If you're in a service-based business, you're probably working on some kind of blended hourly rate. You have to know what that rate is, how long a project takes. Yep. For me, if I throw a number out, I'm pretty confident that number is going to be able to hit in a good margin spot yep. to where if they say, like, yeah, that's about what I expected, I think I can get to work on it. But if they're like, "Who oh, has high. I'm like, okay, cool. How high? What right. do you have in mind?
0: <laughs> right, exactly. So that I
1: know. Okay, cool. You're told, you're talking about like getting a template from the marketplace and me just adding your logo to it, which is fine. I can do that. Right. But it's just, it's a different solution.
0: Yeah, I love that. Great conversation, Dylan. If my listeners want to find you online, what's the best way to connect with you? won't be hard to find me. Probably LinkedIn.
1: LinkedIn's probably the best. I'm on the Media Junction website too, but yeah, just search me on LinkedIn. Pretty uncommon last name, thankfully. But I'm, <laughs> I'm real, real active on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll link to those in the show notes if anybody wants to connect directly with Dylan. Dylan, really appreciate you coming on. I had a blast. Yeah,
1: dude. I've been trying to get on forever. Thanks.
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week, and we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas, now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.